0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Internal Medicine Essentials Medical Knowledge Self-Assessment Program for medical students. This is Paul Aronowitz, your host, and this section will be Hematology. So um, we'll begin these questions with item number one. A 53-year-old woman is evaluated for anemia. She has taken low-dose methotrexate for five months for treatment of rheumatoid arthritis. Her only source of obvious bleeding is menstrual blood loss. She continues to have menses every 28 days with flow lasting five days and requiring three to four pad changes daily. Her laboratory studies are, you have to listen carefully to this part if you don't have this in front of you. So uh, they have before methotrexate therapy and current values at the time she's being uh, assessed. So hemoglobin before methotrexate, 10.8 grams per deciliter. Current values are 9.7 grams per deciliter. Leukocyte count 6,200 microliters before methotrexate therapy and current values 6,750 per microliter. Platelet count 372,000 before methotrexate therapy, and current values 382,000 per microliter. Reticulocyte count before methotrexate was 0.7% of erythrocytes. Current values are 0.8% of erythrocytes. Her mean corpuscular volume before methotrexate was 92 FL, and current values are 93. Her iron level before methotrexate was 49 micrograms per deciliter and current values are 15 micrograms per deciliter. Iron binding capacity total before methotrexate was 394 micrograms per deciliter and is currently 317 micrograms per deciliter. Ferritin was 36 nanograms per ml before methotrexate therapy and is currently 29 nanograms per ml at the time she's being assessed. Which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient's anemia? A, anemia of inflammation alone, B, anemia of inflammation plus iron deficiency, C, iron deficiency alone, or D, methotrexate-induced anemia again those answers are a anemia of inflammation alone b anemia of inflammation plus iron deficiency c iron deficiency alone or d methotrexate induced anemia okay before i give you the answer to this question i'm going to tell you i think this is a very tough question although it's a very valuable question to get a handle on because we see this all the time in internal medicine particularly in sick patients in the hospital or in sick patients with chronic diseases? So the answer to this uh, question is actually B, which is anemia of inflammation plus iron deficiency. And just to explain that uh, answer a little bit better to you, uh, the most likely cause of this patient's anemia is both iron deficiency and anemia of inflammation. So she has rheumatoid arthritis, uh, which would be the cause of her anemia of inflammation. The way anemia of inflammation is thought to work is that there are inflammatory cytokines which block iron utilization and also decrease transferrin saturation and calculated serum total iron binding capacity levels, or TIBC. Uh, Because ferritin is an acute phase reactant, serum ferritin levels tend to increase in patients with anemia of inflammation. And in patients with rheumatoid arthritis, this is usually upwards of two to three times normal. So in contrast, iron deficiency is associated with increased transferrin saturation and calculated serum TIBC levels and decreased serum ferritin levels. So the problem with a question like this, or reality, because we see this all the time, is that when inflammation accompanies iron deficiency, inflammatory cytokines always confound the expected pattern of serum iron studies. So it's very tough to tease out sometimes whether the patient has anemia of chronic disease or so-called chronic inflammation, or whether they have a component of iron deficiency inserted somewhere in there. So virtually all patients with serum ferritin levels less than 10 to 15 nanograms per ml are iron deficient. So that's a take-home rule from this particular question if you remember nothing else you see a ferritin less than 10 to 15 and i believe that if it's less than 10 the specificity is something like 99 percent they have iron deficiency but don't quote me on that i think that's plus or minus a few percentage points on the specificity However, 25% of menstruating women with absent stainable bone marrow iron, in other words, that are truly iron deficient, have serum ferritin levels greater than 15 micrograms, uh, nanograms per ml. So assuming an absence of inflammation, higher serum ferritin cutoff limits of 30 to 41 nanograms per ml improve the accuracy of diagnosing iron deficiency in women during their reproductive years. So that's another sort of take-home point from this is that younger women of reproductive age may have higher ferritin levels but truly be iron deficient. So in patients with rheumatoid arthritis, as I mentioned, serum ferritin levels may rise by as much as threefold as a result of the effects of the inflammatory cytokines. So this patient's serum ferritin levels of 29 and subsequently 36 nanograms per mL support a diagnosis of iron deficiency in the setting of her inflammatory illness. So uh, generally serum ferritin levels less than 1 to 120 nanograms per mL reflect iron deficiency in patients who have inflammatory conditions. So if you're going to take home uh, a second or third teaching point from this question, it's that if you see a ferritin that's less than 100 in someone who has a reason to have chronic inflammation or chronic uh, inflammatory anemia, then you're going to be thinking that they also have iron deficiency as well. So uh, while monthly menstrual blood loss is the most likely cause of iron deficiency in this patient, she should probably also undergo colon cancer screening since she's greater than age 50 to make sure that um, the other possibility isn't that she has a gastrointestinal blood loss from a malignancy. So that needs to be ruled out given her age. Uh, You never want to write it off to menstrual blood loss in someone this age who hasn't been screened for colon cancer at the appropriate age of 50. And then finally, regarding the methotrexate, which they sort of threw in there as a little bit of a curveball, I think, that's an antimetabolite that inhibits dihydrofolate reductase and causes megaloblastic maturation. However, low-dose methotrexate is unlikely to cause significant megaloplastic anemia, whereas higher doses may do so with a significant rise in MCV. So this patient's uh, normal and unchanging MCV uh, values excluded diagnosis of methotrexate-induced tre- anemia. So it wasn't too much of a curveball because you really needed to pay attention to the MCV as you always do in a patient with anemia. So key point in this uh, very hard, I think, question, but very. A good question to have a handle on is that serum ferritin levels less than 100 to 120 nanogram per ml may reflect coexisting iron deficiency in patients with inflammatory states. Item number two, a 64-year-old man is evaluated for decreased exercise tolerance and dyspnea on exertion for three weeks. He underwent gastric bypass surgery six months ago and has lost 27 kilograms, or 60 pounds. On physical examination, temperature is 36.7 degrees centigrade. Blood pressure is 137 over 78 millimeters of mercury. Pulse rate is 104 per minute, and respiratory rate is 17 per minute. Body mass index is 32. The patient has pale conjunctiva. Cardiopulmonary and neurologic examination findings are normal. Results of initial laboratory studies show a hemoglobin level of 7.4 grams per deciliter, a mean corpuscular volume of 104, a serum cobalamin, otherwise known as vitamin B12 level in the low normal range, and a normal red blood cell folate level. An electrocardiogram is normal. Which of the following is the most appropriate next diagnostic tests? A bone marrow aspiration and biopsy, B, hemoglobin electrophoresis, C, serum homocysteine and methylmalonic acid measurements, or D, serum iron studies. And again, those choices are A, bone marrow aspiration and biopsy, B, hemoglobin electrophoresis, C, serum homocysteine and methylmalonic acid measurements, or D, serum iron studies. So please key in your answer to that question. The answer here is C, which is uh, serum homocysteine and methylmalonic acid measurements. Uh, Basically, this patient's findings, both on his labs and his history, are suggestive of uh, vitamin B12 deficiency. And so you would want to check a homocysteine and methylmalonic acid levels. Now, you're probably wondering then why the B12 is only low normal, and we'll come to that. So he has a history of gastric bypass surgery, and so he basically bypassing part of the small bowel, and it puts him at serious risk for vitamin B12 deficiency. His serum B12 level is the low normal range uh, and actually requires further assessment. An elevated methylmalonic acid level is more sensitive and more specific for diagnosing cobalamin deficiency than just the low serum vitamin B12 level because serum vitamin B12 levels do not adequately assess tissue vitamin B12 stores, especially in patients with serum vitamin B12 levels in the low to normal range. Uh, And keep in mind that when you're checking the methylmalonic acid and the homocysteine levels, that homocysteine goes up in both folate and vitamin B12 deficiency, whereas methylmalonic acid only goes up in vitamin B12 deficiency. So something worth keeping in mind. In patients with cobalamin deficiency, a.k.a. vitamin B12 deficiency, both of these uh, levels are going to be increased, Um, and so uh, it's still worth checking the homocysteine level. Uh, As far as the other answers go, bone marrow aspiration and biopsy are helpful in evaluating causes of megaloblastic anemia, but you're not usually going to subject a patient to a bone marrow biopsy until you've ruled out cobalamin cobalamin or uh, folate deficiency. And then hemoglobin electrophoresis <clears throat> is done um, when you're suspicious for a hemoglobin uh, subcomponent abnormality. Um, and this uh, test can be helpful in diagnosing sickle cell anemia, sickle cell trait, and some of the thalassemias, but not all of them. Hemoglobinopathies tend to be characterized by abnormal erythrocyte morphology and microcytosis, which this patient uh, does not have microcytosis, so you wouldn't go down the hemoglobin electrophoresis route. It's a relatively expensive test and would be a very low yield in this patient with a history of a gastric bypass procedure. So this patient has a macrocytic anemia and is unlikely to have iron deficiency, which causes a microcytic anemia. Uh, So you would not check serum iron studies. That's one of the common mistakes I see made on the wards uh, by both residents and medical students is that they send everything when a patient has anemia rather than initially looking at the the MCV and deciding whether it's a microcytic or macrocytic anemia and then determining their choice from there. So key point, an elevated serum methylmalonic acid level is more sensitive and specific for diagnosing cobalamin deficiency than a low serum vitamin B12 level. Item number three, a 19-year-old man undergoes follow-up evaluation for anemia. The anemia was identified when he attempted to donate blood. He is otherwise healthy and is asymptomatic. Medical and family histories are non-contributory. He takes no medications. On physical examination, temperature is normal. Blood pressure is 117 over 78. Pulse rate is 88 per minute and respiratory rate is 17 per minute. Body mass index is 19. The patient has pale conjunctiva. The remainder of the examination is unremarkable. Hemoglobin is 11.6 grams per deciliter. Mean corpuscular volume is 60. Leukocyte count is 5,400. Platelet count is 179,000. Red blood cell distribution width is normal. Reticulocyte count is 2.3% of erythrocytes. Ferritin is 58 nanograms per milliliter. Hemoglobin electrophoresis is normal. The peripheral blood smear shows target cells. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? A, hereditary spherocytosis, B, iron deficiency, C, sideroblastic anemia, or D, alpha thalassemia trait. And again, those choices are hereditary spherocytosis, iron deficiency, sideroblastic anemia, or D, alpha thalassemia trait. So I think this is a uh, challenging question. We do see this uh, in the clinical setting in internal medicine for sure, and you should be aware of what the diagnosis is. But the answer here is D, which is uh, alpha thalassemia trait. That is the most likely diagnosis. So decreased or absent synthesis of normal alpha or beta chains resulting from genetic defects is the hallmark of the thalassemic syndromes. Uh, the result of this actually is uh, ineffective erythropoiesis, intravascular hemolysis caused by precipitation of the excess insoluble globin gene sorry, globin chain and decreased hemoglobin production. So alpha thalassemia trait, which is what this patient has, is associated with mild anemia, which he has mild anemia, microcytosis, hypochromia, target cells on the peripheral blood smear, and an adult's normal hemoglobin, uh, electrophoresis results. So I underline that. You would have normal hemoglobin electrophoresis results in adults with alpha-thal trait. Uh, and one thing I'm just going to point out at this uh, juncture here is that the patient was noted to have pale conjunctiva. I'm not sure I totally necessarily buy that. His uh, hemoglobin is 116 um, that is a uh, kind of borderline call in terms of the paleness of the conjunctiva, according to the physical examination literature. He could have it. I'm not saying he doesn't. And they wrote the test question, not me. I think I'm not sure I would have put that in there. In any case, be that as it may, uh, the uh, alpha variant is found in 2 to 3% of black persons and is often mistaken for iron deficiency. So in an African-American person and who has... Uh, this type of presentation, think about alpha-thal trait. Um, The patient's peripheral blood smear demonstrates target cells, which makes thalassemic syndrome the most likely diagnosis, and the normal hemoglobin electrophoresis results are suggestive of alpha-thal trait. Alpha-thal trait is more definitively diagnosed, if you're wondering how you would confirm your suspicion, by a globin gene synthesis study, But it's more often suggested by simply looking at the chronic microcytic anemia, the fact that uh, he has target cells, normal serum iron studies, and normal hemoglobin electrophoresis, and no treatment is necessary. In this case, obviously, he was asymptomatic. This was found when he was trying to donate blood. He's 19 years old and hasn't had a problem with it. As far as hereditary spherocytosis goes, Hopefully you didn't choose this one because remember the most common thing you're going to see on a peripheral smear in someone with hereditary spherocytosis is what? That's right, spherocytes. Um, So they can have a normal or an increased MCV depending on the degree of erythrocytosis and uh, and they can also uh, are going to lack the normal central pallor which is what makes their cells look like spherocytes. Uh, Patients with iron deficiency anemia may note fatigue, malaise, irritability, decreased exercise tolerance, and headaches, which actually can appear before symptoms of overt anemia, like shortness of breath and chest pain and things like that. Uh, And those findings were not present in this patient. Um, And then sideroblastic anemia is characterized by decreased erythrocyte count caused by ineffective erythropoiesis and by hypochromic normocytic or macrocytic erythrocytes, And get this with basophilic stippling so if you hear basophilic stippling you should be considering sideroblastic anemia in your differential Uh, so this these findings were not uh, present in this patient and therefore not compatible with the diagnosis so key point in this question alpha thalassemia trait is associated with mild anemia microcytosis hypochromia target cells on the peripheral blood smear and an adult's normal hemoglobin electrophoresis. Uh, I think that's a hard question. Uh, we don't um, spend enough time talking about the uh, hemoglobinopathies, really, in internal medicine, I think. Um, and we don't do them justice. Item number four... A 22-year-old woman is evaluated for a six-month history of decreased exercise tolerance, particularly with activities such as running. She is otherwise healthy and eats a normal diet. Medical history is unremarkable. She notes no menstrual abnormalities and takes no medications. On physical examination, temperature is 36.7, blood pressure 110 over 72 millimeters of mercury, pulse rate is 88, and respiratory rate is 16 per minute body mass index is 22. The patient has pale conjunctiva. Examination of the heart and lungs is normal. There is no splenomegaly. The neurologic exam is normal. Laboratory studies reveal a hemoglobin of 7.9 grams per deciliter, leukocyte count of 5,600, MCV of 62, platelet count of 625,000 per microliter, and a red blood cell distribution width of 22% with the normal range being between 14.6% and 16.5%. Again, hers is 22%. A peripheral blood smear is notable for microcytic hypochromic erythrocytes with marked anisopoikilocytosis. Which of the following is the most appropriate treatment for this patient? A Erythropoietin, B, erythrocyte transfusion, C, oral ferrous sulfate, D, parenteral, i.e. intramuscular, intravenous iron. Again, choices are A, erythropoietin, B, erythrocyte transfusion, C, oral ferrous sulfate, or D, parenteral iron. And parenteral meaning intramuscular, intravenous. So go ahead and key in your answer there. Uh, So the answer here is C which is uh, that you would give oral ferrous sulfate. And I guarantee you'll get asked this question either on step two of the USMLE or on the shelf exam. Iron deficiency anemia is a remarkably common finding in young menstruating women, and you need to know how to diagnose it and how to treat it. So the most appropriate next step is oral ferrous sulfate, as I said. Uh, Iron deficiency can result from blood loss or malabsor. So women of reproductive age may lose enough iron through normal menstrual blood loss to become iron deficient in the absence of uterine or gastrointestinal disease. And this is one of the most common uh, causes we see of iron deficiency anemia. Uh, Patients with mild iron deficiency may note fatigue, malaise, irritability, decreased exercise tolerance, and headaches before symptoms of overt anemia occurs, as I mentioned in the previous uh, test question. This patient has signs and symptoms of iron deficiency, likely secondary to her menstrual blood loss. And just so you know, the variation in the size of the erythrocytes is quantified in the red blood cell distribution width, otherwise known as the RDW measurement. And increased RDW is most often associated with a nutrient deficiency such as iron, folate, or vitamin B12. So this patient's 22% is consistent with increased RDW, red, uh, red cell distribution width, So patients with iron deficiency anemia caused by blood loss can have mild thrombocytosis. And I underline this in this question because on the uh, ABIM exam that the residents will take after a third year of their residencies, they frequently will have a question on there where a patient presents in the outpatient setting with thrombocytosis and a microcytic anemia and this is a nonspecific thrombocytosis and is absolutely classic for iron-deficiency anemia. So in the outpatient setting, the most common cause of thrombocytosis is iron-deficiency anemia. In the inpatient setting, uh, where I work predominantly, the most common cause is some sort of inflammation, um, infection, cancer, and so forth. But one of the first things you're supposed to think about is thromb- in thrombocytosis is iron-deficiency anemia. So, for simple iron deficiency, oral ferrous sulfate, which is relatively inexpensive and available without a prescription, would be effective and is therefore the most appropriate treatment option. Initiation of erythropoiesis stimulating agents should only be considered after patients have been evaluated for other causes of their anemia and iron stores are known to be adequate. Uh, we tend to use uh, these erythropoiesis agents uh, most frequently in uh, end stage kidney disease patients. Erythrocyte transfusions are reserved for patients with severe symptomatic anemia in whom rapid correction is necessary because you're trying to prevent cardiovascular complications such as heart failure or myocardial infarction. Uh, currently, the cutoff in a situation like this would be probably uh, uh, less than 21% uh, percent on the hematocrit. And as far as parenteral iron goes, either intramuscular or iron dextran or intravenous iron sucrose, these are reserved for patients receiving dialysis or for patients who cannot absorb or tolerate oral iron replacement. So we don't use this very often in the outpatient setting unless somebody's on dialysis. So the key point in this question is, for patients with simple iron deficiency, oral sulfate is the least expensive and simplest treatment option. Okay, item number five, which will be the last question in in this particular podcast. A 57-year-old woman with chronic lymphocytic leukemia, a.k.a. CLL, is evaluated in the emergency department because of a two-week history of increasing malaise, decreased exercise tolerance, and darkened urine. Her CLL was last treated two months ago with fludarabine, cyclophosphamide, and rituximab. On physical examination, the patient has scleral icterus. Temperature is 37.3 degrees centigrade. Blood pressure is 142 over 82 millimeters of mercury. Pulse rate is 117 per minute, and respiratory rate is 18 per minute. Mild lymphadenopathy is palpated in the cervical area. Cardiopulmonary examination discloses a regular tachycardia and crackles at the bases of both lungs. Splenomegaly is found on abdominal examination. Her lab's... Uh, reveal a hemoglobin of 6.9 grams per deciliter, leukocyte count 6,500, platelet count 250,000, reticulocyte count 10% of erythrocytes, total bilirubin 6.3 milligrams per deciliter, direct bilirubin 0.5 milligrams per deciliter, lactate dehydrogenase 357 units per liter, which is elevated, by the way, direct antiglobulin or Coombs test is positive for IgG. A peripheral blood smear reveals spherocytosis, but is otherwise unremarkable. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? A, alpha thalassemia, B, autoimmune hemolytic anemia, C, hereditary spherocytosis, or D, microangiopathic hemolytic anemia? Again, choices alpha thalassemia, B, autoimmune hemolytic anemia, C, hereditary spherocytosis, or D, microangiopathic hemolytic anemia? So the answer to this one would be B, which is autoimmune hemolytic anemia. Um, and this patient most likely has autoimmune hemolytic anemia due to her underlying chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Uh, the hemolytic anemias are characterized by increased destruction of erythrocytes, as you know, associated with a marrow response, which is the reticulocytosis. She had 10% um, eryth- uh, of um, uh, Sorry, 10% uh, reticulocyte count there, which is quite high. Elevated levels of unconjugated bilirubin, lactate dehydrogenase, and uric acid and depressed levels of haptoglobin are characteristic of hemolysis. So she also has unconjugated bilirubin that's elevated as well, which is classically in the 5 to 6 range. Autoimmune hemolytic anemia may be idiopathic, or result from drugs, or lymphoproliferative disorders, as in this patient, as in this patient, uh, collagen vascular diseases, or malignancies. The disorder occurs when IgG, IgM, or rarely IgA autoantibodies bind to erythrocyte antigens. And the most common type of autoimmune hemolytic anemia is a warm antibody-mediated autoimmune hemolytic anemia. In this condition, IgG antibodies bind to the RH-type antigens on the red cells, uh, and this occurs at 37 degrees, compatible with life. Although these antibodies may fix complement, they more commonly bind the cell surface and facilitate Fc receptor-mediated erythrocyte destruction by splenic macrophages. So warm antibodies are diagnosed by the direct antiglobulin, so-called Coombs test, which detects IgG or complement on the cell surface. Spherocytes are seen on the peripheral blood smear. And I want to emphasize the fact that spherocytes are seen in hemolytic anemia. That's the most common finding you'll see on a peripheral smear. So if you hear spherocytes, you know, it could be spherocytosis, but in a situation like this with a patient with a past medical history of a hematologic malignancy, it's more likely going to be hemolysis, plus she's got elevated bilirubin and so forth in the right range. So the uh, glucocorticoids are the usual first-line therapy to interrupt antibody production. So as you're seeing her and confirming that you think she has a, an autoimmune hemolytic anemia, which is Coombs-type warm uh, antibody hemolytic anemia, you would begin her on uh, a pretty hefty doses of steroids. Most likely you'd be consulting with a hematologist as well. Alpha thalassemia is a congenital hemolytic anemia. Patients with two alpha gene defects have target cells and an absence of spherocytes on the peripheral blood smear. So you would not have seen spherocytes in this patient and will not have a positive direct antiglobulin test, obviously. So Hereditary spherocytosis is a membrane defect resulting in a spherocytic shape, thus it's called spherocytosis, reduced deformability and trapping with subsequent destruction in the spleen. Spherocytes are present on the peripheral blood smear and the direct Coombs test is negative. Um, So the finding in this case of a positive Coombs test would be inconsistent with hereditary spherocytosis. And the way you would make the diagnosis of hereditary spherocytosis is with the osmotic fragility test, which demonstrates increased erythrocyte fragility in hypotonic saline compared with normal erythrocytes. So remember that for... Hereditary spherocytosis, the test of choice is osmotic fragility test. Finally, microangiopathic hemolytic anemia is a non-immune hemolytic anemia. I won't get into all the details with that, but you might see elevated levels of unconjugated bilirubin, lactate dehydrogenase would be up, and you'd have depressed levels of haptoglobin. What makes this inconsistent with microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, again, is the fact that the patient has a CLL in her history, she's at risk for an autoimmune hemolytic anemia and has a positive Coombs test. Also, on the peripheral smear, the most likely thing you're going to see in the situation where you have so-called MAHA, microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, is schistocytes. Uh, so those are not seen in this case, making MAHA an unlikely diagnosis. So key point, warm antibody-mediated hemolytic anemia is characterized by spherocytes on the peripheral blood smear and a positive direct antiglobulin, or a.k.a. Coombs test. So that concludes this batch of questions, Uh, the first five in hematology. I will be back soon with more for you.